I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 157 in which I went on retreat and I am recording this on Tuesday, May 19th, 2014. Um, it's a little bit before nine o'clock at night, so hopefully I will actually get this posted tonight, but I was up insanely early this morning for no good reason whatsoever. Wide awake at 4 a.m. or so, managed to stay in bed until mm, a little bit before five, but couldn't stand myself any longer and had to get up. Um, so I'm going to be fading fast pretty soon. So I'm going to at least get it all recorded tonight, but we'll see if I can actually make it through the um, post-production process. Uh, in any case, I want to start out by saying thank you to everybody who is listening. And if you're not listening, then you can't hear me say thank you anyway. So <laughs> that, that whole point is moot. I also want to say thank you for a couple of new reviews on iTunes. I did check earlier last week, had a couple new ones on there. Um, big woohoo for that. Thank you very much. All of us podcasters really appreciate it when people leave us iTunes star ratings or reviews. Um, I did also, just for kicks and giggles, check some of the international sites. There are five reviews from UK listeners, one in Germany, three in Australia, but none in New Zealand. I don't know what's going on in New Zealand. Uh, so <laughs> just, just having to give a certain New Zealand podcaster a little bit of a razz. Um, so today's episode is going to be primarily a Sandy update, um, but within that you will be getting some product reviews, a couple of the Quilty Persuasion and a couple completely unrelated, but they are based, I decided to go ahead and talk about them in the podcast because a few people were very interested when I was tweeting about them. So here we go. Yes, last weekend I was on my um, guild quilt retreat. I went down Friday morning and got back Sunday early afternoon by the time I got back. I had actually recorded uh, retreat diaries, as it were, uh, during the drive on the way down and a little bit here and there during the weekend and then on the drive coming back. But when I got home Sunday afternoon and put them all together and was listening to it, um, no, they didn't make it. <laughs> I didn't make the cut. Uh, I just, you know, I'm not good at doing that kind of thing. I kept repeating myself several times over during the course of the weekend. And of course, as I got more and more tired, I sounded more and more tired. And I also feel like once in a while, I started feeling a bit or sounding a bit uh, cranky and quite possibly, I believe at one point I used the word misanthropist. <laughs> but And that would not have been a fair um, picture to give you of the retreat, because I actually, I really enjoyed myself. I always do. Um, I just need my little bits of time away so that introvert Sandy will get over herself and we'll be able to be back in crowds of people quite happily. It was a really good weekend. I was at a table with a couple of my buddies and ended up sitting um, right next to kind of, you know, at three people at the tables, kind of right kitty corner to me. Um, so they were the ones who were closest to all weekend. Two of them 
um, have been members of our guild for a while, but I've never really gotten the chance to get to know them. And then one of them brought her daughter, who's more or less my age, a few years younger. Uh, so it was really fun getting to know them all better, and I enjoyed them. And um, basically, our end of the room had a great old time. <laughs> I didn't really see or hear much from the other end of the room. I didn't get up there all that often, but I did go visiting once in a while when I was um, sick to death of whatever I was working on. Um, I really enjoy going to my guild retreats now more than ever because I do really know pretty much everybody. You know, there's some there's some folks that aren't members of our guild but are friends with members of our guild that only ever come to retreats. Um, it takes me a little while longer to remember their names. <laughs> I was joking with one table of three women that's been coming to retreats, but I said, I said, I always get their names confused because they travel in a pack and I only see them once a year. So basically they told me I could just call them the pack and they would answer. Um, so I had a, a really good time, enjoyed that. I got a lot done without actually getting anything done. <laughs> in other words, I made a ton of progress on stuff, but I didn't have, well, I had one finish, um, but that was an unexpected finish and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, all of my projects, I didn't actually finish any of them, but that was quite intentional because the finishing steps I can just do better at home. I don't like doing uh, quilting, the actual free motion quilting or, you know, whatever machine quilting at retreat. I don't like doing it in that setup. I far prefer working on that at home, so I never bring quilting to do with me. Um, and Although I did have my design wall with me, it's a very large design wall. It takes a little bit to set up. It's one of the, oh, I don't remember, Cheryl Ann or whatever her name is, uh, her portable design walls. I inherited it from mother, my mom. It's the um, largest size one. So it also takes a fair amount of space to actually set up. Um, there was space I could have set it up, but then I would have had to take it all back down again. <laughs> I just, I was not in the mood at that point. So what I ended up doing was doing a lot of block work, but no putting blocks together because, again, that requires a design wall. So um, anyway, let me give you my retreat recap. Um, first of all, I do want to say the best retreat supplies ever. If you have never gone on a retreat or if you've only been on a couple, maybe you're not aware of these types of things. First of all is the So Easy Table. I believe I've talked about that in this podcast before because I love my So Easy table and that's S-E-W hyphen E-Z-I and it's a portable sewing table that's incredibly sturdy, very, very well built, but easy to um, put the legs down and put the cover over it and pull it away because it's got wheels. They, I've actually been... Um, I'm especially impressed with them now that I've dealt with their customer service. So my family got it for for me for Mother's Day probably two years ago now. And maybe three years ago. I think it was only two years ago. And I had only used it a handful of times um, because I only use it when I go on retreats. And I think I brought it up to my cottage with me when I had a vacation up at the cottage. Uh, but it had developed cracks um, on the top in what what you would be able to look at and say would be the weak spot in the top. And I was really surprised because I know a fair number of people who have those so easy tables and nobody else had cracks. I was the first one that I'd ever seen have ha have that happen. And I have never dropped it. I have never put anything overly heavy on it. You know, I'm, I'm not careful about it because you don't have to be super careful about it. Uh, but I hadn't done anything that would warrant these cracks appearing. So after my last retreat, when I unpacked it and set it up at the retreat, the cracks were small. That was the first I had noticed them. 
by the end of the weekend, they were quite big. You know, the weight of the sewing machine just was kind of pulling those cracks down. So I quickly took some pictures of the cracks on my cell phone. Um, sent When I got home, uh, sent emailed the pictures to the customer service of the So Easy table. And I said, you know, I haven't done anything to make these cracks happen. This is how old my table is. You know, what would you suggest? And they emailed me back within 24 hours and immediately said, oh, yeah, we've, you know, this has become a known issue. We've seen this happen before. We're going to send you a new tabletop um, no questions asked, and at no cost. I didn't have to pay for anything. And I got that new top probably within about 10 days. Of course, I did not put it back on until the night before I was going on retreat. Or maybe two nights. I guess I put it on two nights before I went to retreat. That was really working ahead for me. Um, it sat in the closet with this so easy table with the old broken uh, top still attached in in the closet for a year um, but I did finally get it on and when I put the new one on I could tell it feels like it might be made from a different material um, you know if you put mine next to somebody else's of the same age of my old one it probably wouldn't look that different it feels like it was maybe a slightly different tone of white to me um, but the top of it definitely feels like it's some sort of different composite material uh, but I got it put back on and I, you know, worked with it beautifully during the weekend. I love that so easy table. So if you have a chance to put it on your birthday wish list or Christmas wish list or whatever, it looks expensive when you look at the price, but it is really worth it because that thing is sturdy. And like I said, when I had a problem with it, they immediately responded to it. Um, so that's my review of that. And I know I've talked about that table before. They do now, they've just come out with a larger size one that I'm kind of jonesing for a little bit but I don't know you know at retreat often space is kind of limited although this week it would have been fine but um, sometimes we have more people show up and it would be a little bit harder to work with a bigger table you know given the the setup that we have but boy it would be nice to have that bigger table so I don't know I'm probably going to put it on my wish list and maybe someday in the future I'll get that one um the other best retreat supply ever, I had a, a moment of brilliance. You know, I don't have very many of them, but once in a while <laughs> they do break through. Uh, and this was a few years back. It was when I had first started kind of going to retreats on, on a regular basis. I was really trying to figure out how I could carry all of my notions in an organized manner without shelling out the big bucks for those, you know, totes or whatever that are specifically made for them. And I wanted something hard-sided because I do have, I inherited from my mother a lot of the um, soft side, you know, the various who makes them singer or Fiskars or whatever, organizational craft totes kinds of things. But I, for some reason, I kind of wanted something that would be more hard size and that would hard side and would be easier to keep track of all the little bits, you know, the, the pin cushions and the, uh, the spools of thread and the bobbins and all that kind of stuff. And I had the brilliant thought to buy a fishing tackle box and I bought it new. I bought it at a Target or a Walmart or something. So it cost me all of 10 or $15. And I've used that ever since. It is perfect there. It is exactly where I keep um, like the, the shelves, you know, the two shelves that kind of fold out at the top um, with the slots in them that are normally where you would keep your lures and things like that are perfect sizes for spools. I keep all my spools in there. I can keep my extra rotary cutter blades and sewing machine needles and everything all fit beautifully in those. I can even keep one of my stilettos, um, not 
a shoe, <laughs> but the type you use to help hold down the fabric as it's going under the needle of your sewing machine. Um, one of those actually fits kind of sideways in one of the larger ones. Um, my cheap leader, little Rite Aid reader glasses fit <laughs> one of the things. And then in the bottom of it is where I put my rotary cutters and all that kind of stuff, the bigger stuff. So again, if you're looking for a storage solution to take all of your notions and such to classes or to retreats or whatever, you might want to check out tackle boxes. You will likely want to buy a new one rather than repurposing one that has seen a few fish in its day because I don't care how much you wash it, you are not getting that smell out. Um, trust me, I know me some fishing tackle boxes <laughs> that have actually been used. I grew up with them. Um, you know, Lake Ontario, we're not that far from it. So anyway, um, that is my other suggestion. And then the third suggestion that's related to that is one of the other moments of brilliance I had a few years ago, and this was after I'd gone to two retreats in a row and forgotten a bunch of stuff. I have taped a supply list. I typed out or printed out a supply list um, that's kind of the general every time I go on retreat no matter what I'm doing here's what I absolutely have to have with me and I taped that list right on the inside of the cover so as soon as I go to get my tackle box off of the shelf to make sure it's all packed for retreat I look at the supply list and it includes everything it includes foot pedal and uh, plug for my sewing machine and includes sewing machine feet it includes my ot light. It includes, you know, rotary cutter, new blades, uh, holder for the used blades, whatever threads and such. And then it also includes things like, you know, if doing applique, here's the other things I'll need. If doing paper piecing, here's the things I need. And it's actually, there's probably, you know, 35, maybe 40 odd items on there, but it all fits in one long column. And like I said, I taped it onto the inside cover of my tackle box and I this time around, the only thing I did not have with me that would have been helpful was a pair of paper scissors. Um, so I guess I'll add that to the list. Um, and that was the retreat project. Normally that doesn't come up. So every now and then there's something that comes up just once because of whatever random thing you're working on. So, you know, it's not 100%, but it makes sure that I forget a lot less than I used to. So those are my couple of um, suggestions to those of you who may start traveling for your quilting fun. So what did I get done? I got done the second Dr. Seuss baby quilt um, that I've made. If you may recall, if you're a longtime listener, that last summer I made a baby quilt to be put up for auction um, at our summer women's event to raise money for our girls' ministry. And the theme uh, that the team who put that together had chosen was Dr. Seuss's Oh, the Places You'll Go. And so I had said when they chose that theme oh gosh, I bet you anything I can find that in fabric. Now, I knew that there was Dr. Seuss uh, fabrics out at the time of various types. I didn't know for sure that they had that particular book done, and they did. So I had bought a fat quarter collection. It included a panel with some of the, you know, pictures from the books and various uh, quotes, lines from the books. And then it had, oh, mm, six or eight, Eight, I think Fat Quarters with it. And I believe I got the collection at Fat Quarter Shop. Don't really remember now. Um, and I had bought it in both boy colors and girl colors if we want to be gender specific and kind of sexist and chauvinist about it. Or if we don't want to be, we can say lighter, more flowery colors versus um, primary brights. Uh, so <laughs> I had bought it in both ways. I'd kind of expected to do two quilts. 
Unfortunately, the primary brights panel was so wonked. It was so off square that there was no way I could cut those blocks um, square without lopping off words or lopping. It was really badly printed. Um, so the, the one that was the more, you know, fruity, pretty colors got made and it was, um, there were two women primarily who were in the ending parts of, you know, they were outbidding each other at the end. And the woman who lost the quilt came to me afterwards in tears because she had wanted the quilt so badly. And there's a whole backstory about why she had wanted it. And let me tell you, it, it, it was a very sweet, she came to me in tears. She wasn't coming to me trying to cry her way into me making her another one. Um, she never even asked for me to make another one. She just wanted to come over and explain why she had wanted it so badly. And, and while she was explaining it to me, she was, you know, she had tears kind of rolling down her cheeks and it just broke my heart. And I've known this woman for years and she is so sweet. And her daughter at the time was the president of our girls ministry leadership team. Um, and that was who she had wanted to give it to. So, and I really had a lot of respect for her daughter as well. So, you know, it just broke my heart that she hadn't won the quilt. And so I had told her at the time, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I don't know if I can even get the fabric anymore. So it's just, you know, that was the only one that's going to get made. But when I got home, I was like, I feel so bad. And she would love it if, you know, as a surprise, if I made this for her. So I immediately ordered the fabric. I was able to find it again. And then I immediately ordered the, the girly colors um, to be sexist about it. Sorry. And uh, then it sat. And it's at, and my, my goal was to get it done before this year's conference. Now we're not doing an auction again. It's, we've got a whole different women's event going on this summer, but that was my deadline in my head was, well, as long as I get it done within the space of that year, I'll be good. So I did get that piece topped. I had done the, I'm sorry, I got that top pieced. I had done all the cutting before I left. Um, so I had everything ready to go. I still, you know, it was one of these things where I thought, well, I should be able to whip that off in about an hour and a half. You know, I'm not doing anything really um, complicated. Uh, but of course I developed tension issues. And then I, as I'm sewing everything together, I'm like, well, how did I end up short in some color strips? And I had extras in others. And I couldn't figure it out. Um, cause it'd been a, a really, you know, it's a very straightforward design, very easy count of which color strips I needed where. So I kind of uh, punted a little bit. I pieced a couple of leftover ends to fill in the gap for one color strips that were a set of color strips I was short on and, and kind of reworked the design a little bit for others. And then when I, I laid out all the blocks on the floor and I realized I'd sewn all the wrong colors on one of the blocks, which therefore explained both the shortage and the overage of the strips in the first place. So I did end up ripping out some seams and put it back together. I, I did leave the pieced ones in there because I knew nobody else would really ever see that. So I decided to cut myself a little bit of slack and not rip the whole dang thing apart. Um, but I, so I just had to redo one block. Um, so altogether, even by the time I had done all of that, I probably spent about, you know, three hours total on the project. So it still wasn't bad. But I did, you know, my goal was just to get the top pieced so that I could get it... Um, so I could do the quilting here at home and I got that done. So that was the first project I got done on Friday. Um, so yeah, I mean, that won't take me that long to finish because I'm just quilting it in the ditch around the blocks. I don't do anything fancy with it. So I'm really hoping to get that done and, you know, in the mail to her within a week or so. Again, she has no idea that I'm working on this. She counted that thing as lost. So I'm going to mail it to her 
as a gift and then say if she would like to uh, make a donation to our organization and thanks you know that's she's more than able to do that um the then i started working a little bit on an impulse project i decided the night before i left when i was packing up everything i wanted to bring with me i ran across a pattern i had printed off a while ago that I had wanted to do as a donation quilt. And I decided, you know, I'm just gonna, I looked at the fabric requirements. And I thought, I'm just gonna throw the stuff in there to do this. And if I get in the mood, you know, I'll throw it together. Well, I got in the mood. It is, <laughs> it was really fun to work on. I need to give a shout out to Jackie Burdick of So Excited Quilt, who she's the one who designed this pattern and she sells it on Craftsy. It's called Building Blocks. I had seen it on her blog and really liked the pattern, and I believe I'd commented something about, you know, it seemed like it would be great for donation quilts, and she responded back, oh yeah, you know, it's a pretty easy one to do. It only requires one charm pack, or 36 charm squares, and a sashing fabric, and I think, I don't remember offhand, I don't have the pattern in front of me, but I think it's only like a yard and a half total, maybe not even that much, of a sashing fabric, so I found a charm pack in my... Um, drawer I've got yeah I've got a ton of five inch squares and I thought about trying to pull out some but um frankly I'm just getting really sick of going through those five inch squares I've gone through them for so many projects now that I felt like I needed to look at something new so I grabbed a charm pack because I've got some of those too in my stash from years ago and then I found um the perfect color sashing and I had just enough of it in my sash so um I did end up doing that on Friday. It really only took me about 15 or 20 minutes to get it all cut, and that included the fact that I miscut one piece. <laughs> well, no, I miscut eight versions of the same piece. Um, you know, the this is why I only bring things that don't require any brains when I'm on retreat, because the level of distraction is so great. I even screw up the simple stuff, you know. Um, and that was the first day. I, but I, I hadn't slept well the night before, so... I was a little more stupid on Friday than I was on Saturday. I didn't have nearly as many problems on Saturday. Um, I had stacked up the blocks. This is one of those things that it's kind of, it's got a scrappy effect to it. And so you kind of want your fabrics to be as random as possible. And random is the single most difficult thing to do. Because no matter how much you try to be random enough that you don't end up with two fabrics next to each other, you still end up with fabrics next to each other. I had kind of stacked them out. Um, you know, all of my units in a stack in a way that if I sewed right through the units, I wouldn't have had two of the same fabric or two of the, you know, two of the same color or two of the same pattern in different colors in a single block. And then somehow one of the stacks or two of them got off by the time I was sewing them together and I ended up with several repeats of color or pattern in a single block. And I decided, you know, just get over yourself, Sandy, and don't worry about it. <laughs> don't sweat it. Because by the time you put the whole thing together and you float the scraps, they end up surrounded by this background fabric, including sashing. So you've got these spots of your scrappy fabric on this total field of a single color behind it. And then you rotate the blocks around. And of course, you can arrange where your blocks are. So I figured even if I did end up with, you know, two colors, there's two of the same pattern in a block, I could probably disguise it overall in the entire layout. And that's, I've got it laid out on my wall now, and that's pretty much what's going on. Um, I really only wanted to get the blocks finished while I was at Guild or at the retreat because, again, I knew I'd need my design wall to actually do the layout, and I didn't want to do that while I was there. So right now it's currently on my design wall because I would like to get the top pieced 
and then I can set it aside while I finish off the other stuff that I need to get done a little more quickly. Um, I don't quite know what I'm going to do with this yet. It will be likely a donation quilt. I might figure out somebody that I'd like to make it as a gift for. Um, I will have to look up the name. I think the charm pack I used was called Good Morning by Moda. It's a few years old now. I, I haven't bought any charm packs in several years, but I have a lot from, <laughs> from when I was buying them. Um, I believe the name of it was Good Morning. I think I took a picture of the label of it so I'd remember. And then um, it's all these kind of lovely purples and greens and turquoise. They're sort of saturated jewel tones, but they're not really intense. It's, it's a really sweet little uh, pack. And then I put it on a yellow background. So sometime this week when I do get the whole thing pieced, I'll post a picture of it so you'll see it on my blog. And I really, Jackie, you did a great job with that pattern. I really enjoyed it. And I hope I'm sending you some business by talking about it now. Everybody, again, that's So Excited Quilts, or she might call it So Excited Designs, and so is spelled S-E-W, um, and her pattern is on Craftsy. It's called Building Blocks, so definitely go check it out, because it was a very fast sew, um, and just it's turning out really cute, so I appreciated that. Then I made the mistake of doing the retreat project. So every retreat, we have a project um, that's kept a secret until the project it's until the retreat itself and you know they might tell you what supplies you need to bring for it this time they just said bring two fat quarters that's all you had to bring um sometimes they do it kind of as a mystery through the weekend you know where they'll kind of give you one set of instructions and then the next set a little bit later whatever um i don't often do the retreat projects because they are usually things that i don't enjoy making i <laughs> i have talked i believe on this podcast before that I really don't enjoy making, um, you know, fabric tchotchke. I don't like making purses and bags and I don't like making, um, I could probably be convinced to make a pincushion. I've, I've developed sort of a fondness for pincushions on Pinterest, but you know, zippers, snaps, buttons, loops, straps, all that kind of stuff. I don't really enjoy doing it. I've done it and I know I can do it. It's not that I think it's, you know, too hard or I can't handle it. I just don't like doing it. Um, I even bought a fabric glasses case from Quilted Cupcake off her Etsy shop because I hate doing that kind of stuff. Um, but I had brought, when they said, do you want to, you know, if you want to do the retreat project, bring two fat quarters on Uncle, come on, I've got fat quarters. I could probably do this. So I couldn't decide, and this is where my big problem came. I couldn't decide between two different sets of fat quarters. So I brought them both and I thought, well, it's something I can probably do two of. And then when they were introducing the retreat project, they said, oh, it's easy. And then I found out my my good friend is the one who had designed the um, project. So I thought, well, you know, I should really do it to support her. She kept saying, oh, it shouldn't take too long. It, it, it'll be really easy. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, it was certainly easy for people who enjoy doing that kind of thing and are good at it. Um, you know, it took me three hours, I think, Friday night. And I still didn't get either of my two done. I got, I made, it was, I'm sorry, I never told you what it was. The retreat project was one of those weighted pin cushions with the straps that hold the scrap bag underneath. So, you know, the pin cushion sits on the edge of your sewing table and the bag hangs underneath. And I was actually quite glad to work on that because I've been thinking lately, maybe I would buy one from Etsy. <laughs> As I knew at retreat, it would really be helpful having one of those things. But I kept thinking, I really hate making that kind of stuff. So I'll just go on Etsy sometime and buy myself one. 
So when it was the retreat project, I said, okay, no, I can do this. I can do this, especially since I'm sitting right across the table from the woman who designed the pattern and makes this kind of stuff all the time. I have my very own private tutor sitting right next to me. Well, actually, as it turned out, because I decided to do two of them, I thought, well, I'll make one for retreat and I'll make one for home or I'll give the second one away to a friend or whatever. Um, I ended up being behind everybody else because I was cutting twice. I was sewing twice. I wasn't just doing it once. And it was really only the cutting twice that took a while. Um, once you get into the sewing, you know, it, it's not that much longer to sew two seams than it is to sew one. I did a beautiful job on the scrap bag. Beautiful. That went swimmingly. Um, oh, and, and the thing about me becoming behind everybody else was she was verbally kind of teaching people how to do it as they went each step, you know, she would wait, was everybody pretty much done with the first step? Okay, I'll give you the next set of instructions. But she had also provided written instructions. So since I was so far behind everybody else, I was just going by the written instructions. And I really did, I will say very well, the, the bag looks quite nice and worked very well. Um, <laughs> my, my Waterloo was the stinking straps in the pincushion. Uh, the pincushion, again, I made the pincushion cover fine. It's just a little pocket. Not a big deal. I've done those a gazillion times before. Um, but I had to stay stitch the straps into the pin cushion pocket before stuffing it with the little muslin covered bag of sand that they had provided for us for the pin cushion. Um, you know, so because it makes it easier to sew the whole thing together. If you've got your straps stay stitched down, well, <laughs> my stay stitches would not stay stitched. <laughs> Every time I'd go to, you know, I think I'd have it in and I'd go to start stuffing the pincushion, the bag would fall on the floor every single time. And it was driving me crazy. And of course, by this time, it's almost 10 o'clock at night. And <laughs> and we've, we've had that conversation before on this podcast. So I finally, and, and also by 10 o'clock at night, I'm not keeping my mouth shut anymore either. Let's just say the air was getting a little bit blue. <laughs> around my sewing machine and I said later to to my friend I said thank god you love me or else you would have hauled off and slugged me <laughs> halfway through that I kept turning around and assuring her this is not you this is not the pattern I'm sure it's a beautiful pattern everybody else seems to be enjoying it this is just me and she said not like I haven't known you long enough to know you really don't like doing that kind of stuff so she didn't take it at all personally and she kept being very encouraging oh no you've done a nice job look at that it's really good so I finally bagged it that night. I was like, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm about ready to throw this thing across the room and I don't care who I hit with it. I better just step away from the scrap bag, man. So I finally just, I put them both away and basically just went to bed. It was so done. And um, so I decided, you know, the, the next morning I woke up, I'm like, do I finish that stinking strap bag or do I work on something else? And when I finally, you know, after breakfast, sat back down at my machine and thought, no, I'm going to, I'm going to finish the scrap bag. And of course, then it all went swimmingly. The stay stitches worked beautifully. You got the thing stuck in there. It was all fine. It took me about five minutes to finish. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, go figure. Um, now, the the only problem I did have, if you looked at it closely, I did tweet a picture of it, and it looks fine from a distance. If you look at it closely, you can see I just barely was able to sew the closing seam together on the on the pin cushion. Yes, I should have done it by hand, and I could have done it by hand, and I've done that kind of thing by hand before, but again, I was just in get-or-done mode, wanted that thing out of my life. Um, 
And so I crammed it all under my sewing machine foot and managed to get it done. It's it, I might have to go back in and hand stitch just one part of it where the two, the top and the bottom slid apart a little bit. So I barely caught the top under the stitching. But it did work and I did have it sitting on my sewing machine, you know, the rest of the weekend. And it was very handy to have that there. So, um, you know, should I say, oh, I'm so proud of myself for finishing? No, I would have much rather gotten those three and a half hours of my life back and just bought the dang thing off of Etsy. Because <laughs> that's just, it's just not me. The um, the pattern is beautiful. And and we were kind of all pattern testers for her. She had done a lot of her own testing, but as, you know, once you get other people working through it, then you find other things that need to be fixed. Not a lot, though. She really had done a great job, great photos of it. Like I said, I was really only working off of the instructions, not her verbal instructions, and it, it went beautifully. Um, so now, like I said, I had made two of them, and by late Friday night, I'd actually realized, um, you know, when I was storming off to my bed... <laughs> in frustration, I did have the thought, oh, wait a minute, they may not have enough supplies for me to make two. They may have only, you know, brought enough for each person to make one. And I hadn't really, you know, that just hadn't crossed my mind. I did have enough supplies to make the whole bag portion. It was just, I didn't know if they had more of the um, sandbags for the, the pincushion part. So, I talked with my friend about it on Saturday morning and she's like, oh, you're right. I don't think we do have any more. And so she said, well, you know, you could buy, you know, bag. we talked about what kinds of things you use to fill pin cushions, the crushed walnuts. Some person used um, kitty litter, I think she said. Uh, there's a variety of things you can use to stuff pin cushions with. And I said, well, the problem is I'm only going to make one pin cushion. I don't want to buy a whole big bag of something and then use like half a cup. <laughs> and then I'm stuck with this bag of something. So later that day, um, my friend was saying she needed to do some more testing of the pattern. And so I whipped my head around, looked right at her, and I said, oh, oh, well, let me help you out. This is going to be really hard for me to do. You know, this is a real sacrifice, but I just happen to have a second bag that's not finished yet. Would you would you like to take my second bag and, and use it as one of your test samples? And she just burst out laughing, and yes, she took it. We have, um, she and I have, what we have, I was describing to others that it's, it's either a mutually beneficial relationship or you might call it parasitic. I don't know which, but I'm forever giving her fabric scraps, sometimes quite large pieces of fabric I've used and just, you know, I'm tired of, I don't really want to use it anymore because she does a lot of sewing and she's got two young daughters. So she does a lot of, you know, tchotchke kind of stuff. She does a lot of purses and bags and totes and, and little stuffed animals and all sorts of wonderful things. She's a very creative person. So I love giving her my scraps, and we have very similar tastes in fabric most of the time. Um, so she loves getting my scraps, and that makes her somewhat inclined to sometimes make me little gifty things. <laughs> so she's made me some very adorable stuffed animals. Um, I've got a rabbit and a mouse that come out at the appropriate seasons. Um, the rabbit is Easter, and the mouse is Christmas. They're part of my decorations, and she made me a carrot to go with the rabbit. And she finished off a, um, I have one of those fabric baskets on my cutting table that I had won in a silent auction, but it was missing uh, a ribbon tie on one corner. And she said, well, I can take that home and fix it in about five minutes. I was like, sold, <laughs> go for it. And next time I saw her, she gave it back to me, completely done. Um, so now she's going to finish my second uh, scrap bag for me, which, you know, thank you. I love you too. That's very sweet. 
Um, so that was the retreat project. Then from that, <laughs> I went on to the Jelly Roll Sampler. This is one that I've been taking back and forth to retreats for, I think I figured out about three years. So actually maybe four or five retreats in all in that, um, between our guild retreats and another retreat I attended at one point. Um, this is the Jelly Roll Sampler is from the book of the same name, Jelly, Jelly Roll Sampler by the Lintot Gals. This is a book that my friend Carolyn from the UK sent me back when it first came out because the Lintot Gals, their quilt store is not too far from her, her house is what I understand. And so she sent me several of the Lintot Girls books um, in a couple of years ago. And so the Jelly Roll Sampler was one of them. And I started working on this quilt almost as soon as I got that book. So um, I believe the book was published 2011. I checked it at retreat because somebody was asking me how long I'd been working on it. And I had designated it as a retreat project because it's not hard, but every one of the blocks had a gazillion stinking little pieces. And so it was just kind of, you know, again, a little bit tedious work. Um, not hard, again, but tedious because each block took a while. So it was a good retreat project. Um, I was very pleased to see when I was kind of going through the project bin again as I was packing for retreat to refresh my memory as to where I was on it that I only had three box blocks left to complete. I thought I had more than that, so I was thrilled. And I did actually get all the blocks complete. Um, and that was a huge celebration. I actually did a happy dance <laughs> in the middle of the retreat. Um, so it's got 12 blocks all together, and the blocks finished to something like 12 and a half. I think, well, 12 finished. And they are definitely going to need some sort of sashing. Uh, the jelly roll I used, I don't remember the name of it at all. I might have to look back in my blog. Maybe when I first started working on it, I might have posted the name of the jelly roll. But it's what I would call kind of sophisticated, shabby, chic look to it. Not really my jazz, but I almost as soon as I made the first couple of blocks, I thought, you know what? I think this will look lovely in my husband's aunt's living room. So I've been thinking of it as her quilt ever since and just praying she wouldn't redecorate. Uh, she does that actually on a regular basis. She redecorates and remodels, um, completely ripping out walls and rebuilding them with her own hands. She's really good at that, has a fantastic eye for decorating. Um, so I just kept praying, please don't redecorate. Please don't redecorate before I get this done. And she hasn't yet. So I'm hoping to get that done by next December. Her birthday is in December, not too far from Christmas. We don't technically exchange gifts, but that gives me, again, a good deadline in my head to try to get this done. So I've got to square up all the blocks, and then I'm just going to have to take them to a quilt shop and find a good sashing and border fabric, because I don't think I've got anything in my stash that'll work. Um, so that was done. And then the rest of the weekend, <laughs> I spent sewing strips for my Ami Sims um, strip star quilt that I started in Lancaster in the Ami Sims class. I think I figured out that I spent about six hours total all in piecing strips. Um, fortunately, I think I ended up with enough that will actually be long enough for the borders. I had decided as I was cutting strips, I kept thinking, you know, I should really do the math and figure out how many strips I actually need, but I don't like doing complicated math. It's because you cut the strips in three sizes, one and a half inch, two inch, and two and a half inch, I believe are the sizes you cut in. I don't remember exactly. I'd have to look it up. Uh, and then you just, you know, randomize what you're sewing together. And 
Um, I was using all the rest of the fat quarters that I had used in the center. Although now that I'm looking at the center, I don't think I used all of those fabrics. I might have used some of them up in the center. Uh, so I decided, you know, I'm going to cut and cut and cut and cut until I'm bored of cutting. And then I'm going to sew and sew and sew and sew until I'm bored of sewing. And then I'll measure and see where I'm at and see if I need to cut and sew some more. And once I got all the uh, strip sets that I was doing at um, retreat done, I laid them on the, out on the floor and a couple of other folks helped me run my tape measure and measure one into the other. And I think... Um, I've got enough because I can probably get three, I think I'm going to do a four or five inch width. I can't remember which now I've got to, you know, look, put my quilt back up on the design wall and look at proportions, but it was either four or five inches. So that means I can get about three across from each of the strips, strips, strip sets. So I think I've got plenty. Um, and I'm going to be working on that as soon as I get this other, the, um, Dr. Seuss baby quilt done because that's I know who that one's going to that's going to be a gift to someone I would like to give it to you know early in the summer so that felt really good getting those strips done because that is tedious work and there is no way I would sit for six hours at home in my I don't care how good the movie is <laughs> I would not get it done so it was a perfect retreat project I even had other people picking out strips because I was trying to be very random about which strips I was sewing together so I, anybody that walked by my sewing table, I would say, okay, close your eyes and grab two strips. And they would just do it and throw them on my table and I'd sew those two together. So it was definitely, you know, it takes a village to make a border, I guess. <laughs> so I had packed some other projects with me and I didn't get to them. I really didn't expect to. Um, I got done everything I really wanted to get done and a little bit more. Um, and I got to all the stopping places in each of those projects that I'd planned. You know, I knew I only wanted to get blocks done, or I knew I only wanted to get the top piece or the border strips done. And I got all that done. So all in all, it was a very successful weekend. We also took a quick shop hop out to a local quilt shop. Well, local. It was about half an hour away from the um, retreat center, but it's a full hour drive from my house. And it's one of the one of my favorite quilt shops. I like it a lot. It used to be my mother's um, go-to quilt shop because it was closer to where she lived, where I grew up. Uh, so several of us drove over there on Saturday afternoon for a little bit of a break. And I was able to get um, backing fabric for the Dr. Seuss quilt and for the, um, the Jackie Burdick baby quilt, the building blocks baby quilt. And... Um, the Dr. Seuss one, I still have some fat quarters left from the collection, and last time I did piece those together for the backing, and I had to add a little bit of a strip set for it, or a strip on either end just to make it work out to the right size. I just really wanted a single piece of fabric that I could just slap on the back and get this thing done, because um, right now, time is really of the essence. Uh, so I have some extra fat quarters. I haven't decided what I'm going to do with those yet. Might end up being a giveaway. Or I might just give them to my friend since she's finishing <laughs> my scrap back for me. I feel like I'm going to owe her a lot after that puppy gets done. <laughs> so, Although, honestly, you know, what I was frustrated with for about an hour will take her all of five minutes to finish. So, in any case, um, I guess that's really everything I got done. Now, the, the product review I want to give to you is actually um, related to Retreat. So, you know, we're all sitting there at retreat on our sewing machines, and then we keep hearing this noise, and we're like, what's that? Is somebody shaving their legs? <laughs> Definitely a razor noise. And we finally figured out one of the women at retreat had an electric seam ripper. 
And I had seen these in magazines, but I'd never seen one in action. And so, uh, you know, everybody was like crowding around it. Show us how that works. And she's like, oh, this is the best thing. It's called the Quick Ripper. And sure enough, one of those times that I had to rip out some seams that I was just telling you about, um, she let me borrow her Quick Ripper and I, it was love at first touch. Oh my word. This thing is stinking amazing. Um, so as soon as I got home on Sunday, I went online and I ordered myself one. <laughs> Again, it's called the Quick Ripper. It works like an electric shaver. It's got the same kind of blades on the front, but it's narrow. And you hold it on one hand and you kind of, you have to sort of pick apart the seams to start a little bit. But then you just kind of go chick, 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 chick right through. It's faster than my beloved Havel seam rubber, which I was also using. Now there are still, again... As I said when I did the Seam Ripper review, low these many months ago, and compared the three different kind of standard ones, even with this Quick Ripper, I did have one seam. I borrowed it from her two or three times during the weekend because I was doing a little bit of seam ripping. But there was one seam it turned out to be just a little bit easier to do using my Havel seam. So it really does actually help to have a variety of options of types of seam rippers, you know, so that you have one for each individual situation you might arrive at. Um, the Quick Ripper, I think, I think I might have paid $17. I don't remember now. It's, it's not cheap, but it's also not horrifically expensive. And, you know, she said she's had hers for a while and she's, you know, you don't have to change blades or anything. It's, they're extreme blades going against little bitty thread. So, um, I love this thing. When I actually get mine, I will post a picture of it and, you know, do a little bit of a review and show you the Quick Ripper in action. But, oh my word, I loved this thing. Uh, so that's my product review. And if any of you have the Quick Ripper and want to chime in and leave comments, please go ahead and do so. The other two product reviews have nothing whatsoever to do with quilting, although they do, they do have to do with the fact that I work from home on a computer, I am a desk jockey, and then my favorite hobby involves sitting on my butt in front of a sewing machine. And so I have to be very intentional about getting exercise. And now that the weather is nicer, I have also been very intentional this year about not going to the gym, but instead being outside as much as possible. So my doofus dog, Sammy, and I have been training for a 5K, sort of, on our canal path. I've mentioned before that I live not too far from the Erie Canal, and there's, you know, there's very, very nice pathways all along the Erie Canal, um, very well kept. And the, there's a stretch near my house, which is exactly two miles if I go up and back, you know, just retrace my route. It's exactly two miles and it's very open and there's a road right next to it um, where you still feel like you're kind of separate because you're next to the canal and there's a bunch of trees but you don't feel like you're invisible, um, which is never a safe place for women to be alone. Now, you know, that's why I have my golden retriever with me, but he would wag his tail on somebody, not necessarily be terribly dangerous. Uh, but he is the best companion on a walk. He's fantastic on a leash. And although he's a little confused by the walk-run intervals, <laughs> he just kind of looks at me like, wait, we're stopping? Wait, we're going? Wait, what? Um, he's game. He does it. <laughs> has no problem and he's good at kind of pacing himself with me he when we first start our jog interval he kind of takes off a little bit loping and I have to slow him down a little bit and then he you know kind of looks at me and he keeps up with me so he's and he gets the the pace of it after a little bit um and he's just so much fun I enjoy taking my walks with him my walk runs 
but I was having problems figuring out how to carry the stuff I need to carry with me, my my uh, car keys primarily, and I always like to have my license with me. I, there's three things I always carry with me when I ditch my purse. My license, my insurance card, and either a credit card or a debit card, because I always feel like if something happens to me and I get separated from everything else, I need to have the means to get money and to be identified. <laughs> Not that I, you know, often think catastrophically, but it's always kind of there. Um, and my phone, I have a sports armband for my phone, so I wasn't worried about that. And I kept thinking there's got to be a solution because with as popular as running is, there has to be a solution. So I went online one afternoon a couple weeks ago and found, sure enough, there are wrist wallets for runners. And the one I found is called Banjees, B-A-N-J-E-E-S, wrist wallet. It's by Spriggs is the name of the company. And it's made out of stretchy material. It does not get you hot and sweaty. It's a wicking material. And they come in all sorts of fabrics. I found, you know, just one I really like. Um, and it has, the one I got was the, the kind of original version. So it's only got one little pocket in it. Um, I do have a rather unusually large, uh, wait for it, key fob. <laughs> Yeah, what were you filling the blank in with? Um, anyway, I have a very large key fob for my car. And even though I took all the rest of the keys that I normally have on my keychain off, so now it's just the key fob and a, a little keychain that I keep the key fob on, um, I stuff those in and they take up a fair amount of space. But then I also had my license, my insurance card, my debit card in this pocket and it was fine and it was very comfortable. Again, my phone was in a sports armband that I use, but... They do also have other sizes. They have a big Banshees wallet and a phone Banshees wallet. I think that one said it might have had two pockets. So if you're looking for something that has a little more room, you've got options. Um, I was thinking, you know, yes, I definitely needed something for when I was out walking and for exercise. But I was also thinking, you know, it may not be a bad idea to have something for the quilt conference so I don't have a purse dragging over my shoulder the whole time. Um, I actually usually use my uh, name tag thing that hangs around my neck. Uh, I have one from Ami Sims, actually, that she was auctioning off one year for, um, and not auctioning off, but for her Alzheimer's Quilt Initiative, she had made all of these name tag pouches that hang around your neck that have a couple of pockets in them. And so um, I made a donation of the amount required and got one, and um, she had uh, signed those. So it's got her signature on the back, and then she took a picture with anybody who got one. And so I have a picture with me and Ami Sims from low those many years ago. Um, and she's not doing that anymore. Well, she's not doing the things around the neck anymore anyway, and then she's not doing the Alzheimer's Quilt Initiative anymore. So I have now what might be considered a collector's item. So anyway, that's what I usually use at uh, quilt conferences, but sometimes you don't even want that hanging around your neck. So having a little something around your wrist would be kind of nice. So I'm really enjoying this. I took it out for its first test drive today and it was great. It worked beautifully. Um, then as I'm taking my walk today, the canal path, the section that we have near our village, right where you park your cars and then get on the canal path, they have this um, container that holds special bags for you to collect your dog's leavings poop bags they have and they're the kind that you can kind of put your hand over and flip over and pick up the stuff and then pull the bag over the top of it so you never have to worry about touching anything which is nice um and so i always have a couple of those that i'm carrying with me on my walks and 
now that I don't have sweatshirts or jackets on, I don't have a pocket to stuff it in. So today while I was walking, I had it stuffed inside the strap of this wrist wallet. And that was the only place that was a little bit sweaty because I've got this plastic bag sitting in there. So as we're getting back to the car, I'm like, geez, Sam, you got to be carrying your own bag. Wait a minute. They must have wallets for dog collars. <laughs> and sure enough, when I got home and went on Google, yep, there are such things as wallets that attach to dog collars. I found one, There's there were a few places, but the ones I liked were at a website called Daisy Couture, C-O-U-T-U-R-E, Daisy Couture. And it's basically, she has, she has dog wallets, and then she has what she calls a dog purse. And I bought the, or collar purse, and I bought the collar purse because the, the uh, wallet hangs down. It's a pouch that hangs down off the front of the collar, and it's supposed to actually keep the tags quiet. Um, but... I didn't want, you know, I was like, well, if I'm actually sticking something in there, that might drive Sammy nuts if he has something bouncing around under his chin. So the dog purse is a long rectangular envelope that slides onto the collar and Velcro's closed. Um, you could use it to carry your keys and license and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, again, because of my catastrophic thinking, I'd much rather keep that stuff on my own person. But I will have Sam carry his own poop bag, though, <laughs> at least until something gets in it, then he can't. Um, then I would have to carry it along. But so far, he's been very kind to me in that regard. So I will put um, links to the Quick Ripper, the uh, wrist wallet, and the dog collar purses <laughs> in, in the show notes to this episode, if any of you are interested. I am going to hold off on listener feedback until the next episode. And I've got a couple of book reviews to talk about in the next episode. And hopefully, maybe some more finishes. I am going to be out of town next weekend for Memorial Day weekend here in the U.S. It's a long weekend, and my husband and I just spur the moment, um, well, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks, but today we finally made it actually happen. We're going to go out of town for the weekend. He and I have been ships passing in the night for the last several weeks, so we're going to take a weekend away, and we're going up to Stratford, which is one of our favorite places in Canada, Stratford and Niagara-on-the-Lake. It's a lot of our time. <laughs> over the years. Stratford has a Shakespeare festival um, that is just excellent. So we're going to go up and see a couple of plays on Saturday and then take Sunday to just kind of knock around and relax and then come home Monday in time to go to a baseball game um, here in Rochester with everybody from his family on Memorial Day. So that's the weekend, which means I probably won't get another podcast recorded until midweek next week sometime. So had a great time at retreat, got a lot done, learned about some new fun toys, and told you all about them. I think my work here is done. So you know how to get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, and Flickr, all of those places. I am Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group, and please do love seeing your pictures. You can also like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook, and you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And of course, you can follow the blog. You will find links to all of those things at my website at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.